It's a wonderful confession of faith to be able to say on this, the 10th anniversary of the attack on the World Trade Center, it is well with my soul. And we know who we believe in and have trusted, and we know he's able to keep what we've committed unto him until the day we see him. Amen? I am talking about sitting down with Jacob from Genesis chapter 32. We've been sitting down with the patriarchs all these days of 2011. And today we're sitting down with Jacob again, his long story, in a most curious and important passage in Genesis 32, starting with verse 22. Jacob, you'll recall, has fled from Laban, his father-in-law, and he has taken all of his flocks and herds and headed back to the promised land. He saw angels when he came into the promised land, just as he saw them when he was departing 20 years earlier. Now he is preparing for this confrontation with Esau, his twin brother who at their last meeting threatened to kill him for stealing his blessing. He has sent a great gift to Esau. Lots of cattle, sheep and goats, camels. And now he is waiting for this confrontation with his brother. And Genesis 32:22 says that night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maidservants, and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. Scripture says, after he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that it wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. 
Jacob asked, Please give me your name. But he replied, Why do you ask for my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. And a thousand little faces in ten thousand campfires of the Israelites listened closely to their moms and dads as they told this story over and over because they always wondered why Father Jacob walked with a limp and why the nation was called Israel. And the answers are in this story. And the name Israel is not only repeatedly in this morning's newspaper, but appears 2,500 times in this book. So now you know where it comes from. It comes from the third patriarch, Jacob, whose original name meant supplanter or trickster who after wrestling all night with God, was renamed Israel, which means in the old Bible, a prince of God. There are stories that need to be told and retold. Some of them are terrible and tragic, like the story of the Twin Towers being told today a million times here in our country and around the world. But children want to know, and so we tell them what happened on September 11. And they listen closely and in awe. Some stories are not so tragic, but explain circumstances and situations that you wonder why they occur. This story is like that. This is the story of the third patriarch of Israel, the grandson of Abraham, who fled his father-in-law's presence, where they set up a pillar and drew a line, and Laban said, you stay on that side and I'll stay on this. And headed back to the promised land, he is now confronted with his advancing brother Esau, who has 400 men with him. And so he is stuck between Laban in the east and Esau on the west. And he is down in a crevice, a canyon, 
with rising peaks on both sides and the Jabbok River flows through. And on this night, he is out of tricks. He is out of schemes. He has sent his possessions on ahead. He has sent his children on and his wives, and now he is alone on the east side of the Jabbok River. And a most mysterious thing happens. A man wrestles with Jacob all night. Who is this man, you say? I don't know. (laughs) I say back to you. If you know, see me afterward. Most people think he was an angel. Maybe one of the angels that Jacob saw when first he came into the promised land. I know this. Jacob knew the value of God's blessing. I hope you know the one who blesses. Do you? Do you know the one who blesses? The great Psalter of 150 Psalms starts out with these words. Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. That's how the old Bible starts the Psalter. It says, blessed is the man who does not follow the advice of ungodly people, does not stand in their way nor walk in their path. That's a blessed man. People who do this, who take the advice of the ungodly and walk the way of sinners and sit in the seat of scoffers, they are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Nothing they do prospers. Sometimes we are very gifted, it seems, at linking up with people who deliver to us a curse instead of a blessing. We seem to be able to get ourselves in the most difficult situation with the worst kind of people. Well, Jacob is not perfect, that's for sure. But he's a man who can identify the blessing. He knows what the blessing looks like. He bought the birthright from his brother Esau, who had no sense of what was really valuable. Then he stole the blessing from him in a conspiracy with his mother. The same word that's used for Jacob receiving the blessing is used here when he says, I'm not going to turn you loose unless you bless me. It is important. A lesson in life. To learn what Jacob knew. Though he did not get everything right, he got this right. He hung on to that angel until he got the blessing. He was in a tight spot. He was between Laban and Esau, and he figured Esau was going to try to kill him. He divided his family into two groups so Esau couldn't kill them all at the same time. And out of schemes and plans, he hung on to the angel until he got God's blessing 
which is what you need to do, my friend, if you are in a hard spot. When you are between a rock and a hard place and you don't know what to do, identify the one who blesses. The one who has God's favor, who walks in his ways, understands his word, and hang on until you're blessed. Bend all your strength toward the blessing. Everything within you, seek the blessing of God in your life. That's what Jacob did. Jacob, I suppose, might have figured that God was going to come up riding on the white horse and just kapow, he is delivered from Laban and Esau. Like we sometimes figure, if we could just get the right pill. We will have the instant cure for what ails us. How does God show up on this fateful night with the patriarch Jacob? He shows up to wrestle with him. And he's going to wrestle with him all night long. Don't you despise the night that your sleep is disturbed and your mind will not be still and you cry out to God and you pray and pray and pray. It is in those kinds of times and with that kind of struggle that God delivers his power, his word, and his blessing. The scripture says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Why? Because it's going to take it all. It's going to take it all, everything within you, all that you've got. Jacob knew that he had to wrestle against men. He'd been doing that all his life, so have you. You've had people that fought you when you tried to do the right thing, that disappointed you, that tried to persuade you to do otherwise. You've got friends even now that are continually inviting you into their sin. They don't want to sin alone. Your refusal is a condemnation of their act. So they want you in the group when they go out to do what they know is wrong. And they're inviting you. You get all kinds of invitations back into the world. Those of you who just came out of the world and just trusted Jesus as Savior, you especially get lots of invitations. Come on back into the world. And it's a struggle for you to say no to those old friends, those old ways, the addictions that used to claim your life and sap your energy and take your strength. And you know the struggle with men and how men oppose you when you try to walk the righteous way and live for Jesus every day. You don't do that without opposition from people at work and people in the family and people at school who scoff and call you names and think you're weird, that you won't come and join them in their sin. But maybe you never realized 
that God wants to wrestle too. And sometimes he meets you at the point in your life where you feel trapped. And he meets you like a wrestler. And he intends for you to expend your energy all night long until you are exhausted and all your power's gone. And all you've got left is the will to hang on. Because he intends to do a deeper work in you than he can do with a pill. He's going to do something so deep inside of you that it will change who you are in the struggle that you're in. And it's your assignment to hang on to God until it's all spent and you're at the end of your strength and then say, I won't let go until you bless me. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like a man who sold everything he had so he could purchase the pearl of greatest price. This wrestling match with God takes a longing in your heart, a passion and desire for him to know him. Do you have such a passion? Is it planted in your heart? David said in Psalm 42, As the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul longs for you, O God. God, I want to know you. I want to be with you. I'd rather be a housekeeper at the door of the house of God than dwell in any other place. Do you have a desire for God? How strong is it? Paul said, I'm forgetting the things that are behind. I'm reaching forward to the things that are before. I count all that I gained before but loss. It's like garbage for the sake of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I want to know him, he said. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of suffering. I want to be conformed to him in his death. And God is calling you to a desire inside that doesn't just want a little bit of him, but wants to know him, to live in his power and in his presence, to have his heart and know his heart. And so he lets the struggle happen in you. And when you wrestle with God, 
That's when you see him face to face. Jacob has a name for this place where he is. He calls it Peniel. The L is the name for God. And the first part of it is turning toward or looking toward. The idea of face is not just physical features. I saw God face to face, not just physical features, but to be before, to be in the presence of. Have you ever wrestled with anybody? I used to wrestle with my stinky breath brothers. I don't think there's a sport that's more intimate than wrestling, do you? I mean, you grab these wet, greasy, sweaty bodies and you wrap your arms and legs around each other and your your eyes and your heads are just right here and your breath and you are you are close to one another. Think about doing that all night long. Tumbling around in the dirt. Nothing more intimate than this wrestling with God. Oh, it's a struggle. See, God wants you in his presence, but you're always running away. Just like your wife says, don't you dare answer that phone. It's you and me right now. The beeper goes off, but I don't want you distracted. You got a thousand ways to pull away. You got little glittering lights, little dots on the screen. You can disappear into your private world anytime you want. Some of you are always pulling away. The moment you get in his presence, you're ready to leave. You want to take off. You never stay long enough to really get blessed because you're just checking the box. Blah, 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 blah. Get on with my life. You know how desperately God wants you in his presence? How he longs to be face to face with you? It's so easy. To go watch TV, go catch a movie, read a good novel. It's such work to spend time with him. Contemplate his heart. We get in the place of prayer. And it's hard. I think of Jesus. Confronting Peter, who absolutely wants to run away. He's at the Sea of Galilee, not because he wanted to see Jesus. He was going fishing, for heaven's sake. He wasn't there to see Jesus. He was going back to the life he used to have. 
He was a fisherman once. Three years ago when he met Jesus, he left those nets. And now he's denied the Savior. And he doesn't know who he is. And the only person he knows to be is the guy he was before. So he's going back to the Sea of Galilee. And he's going to put him in a net. And Jesus shows up. Builds a campfire. And fixes them breakfast. I think Peter is full enough of shame and guilt that he won't even lift up his chin. He's eating the bread and the fish that Jesus fixed and he's just kind of looking at his feet. Peter... Jesus says, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. But I got things to do and places to be. I'm a busy man. You know I love you. Feed my sheep. Got it. Peter. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Tend my lambs. All right, okay. I'm on my way. Peter. Mary, James, Steve, Nick, Beth, Andrew, do you love me? Can you get your chin up enough to look him in the eye? Can you wrench your mind from all the stuff that cries out for your attention? Can you make eye contact with Jesus long enough to say to him and really mean it? Yes, Lord. You know, I love you. It's not always obvious. It's not always evident that we love him. It's the first command. It's the great command. It's the first of the ten Your heart is to be His. And He calls you into the wrestling match. The intimacy of the struggle where all you can do is hang on to Him because you have no other answers. There is no other way. There's no other place to go. You're in the place where only God can bless and nothing else will count and he hangs on to you and you hang on to him until you're face to face and eye to eye and he knows you love him and you know you 
are blessed. You can't keep running away because you failed or messed up. You can't excuse yourself continually because you got away and backslid and you're not who you used to be. God's not interested in your excuses. He wants to know if you love Him. And if you do, will you stay long enough in His presence to give Him the answer He longs to hear so that He can give you the blessing you need to know? Let's bow together. It is time for some brother in this room to set aside the self-condemnation under which you have lived and come to the God who longs to see you in his presence again. It is time for the sister who keeps scooting out the minute she hears the voice of God and finds something else to do to stay in his presence long enough to express your love and receive his blessing. Oh God, forgive us for being so hasty and ready to go when you call us to stay. Help us now, every man and woman in this room, to stay in your presence. Lord, keep us from darting away when you call us to yourself and and we know you're speaking our name. I pray for the person in this room who needs to commit their life to Jesus Christ, receive his forgiveness, and be changed from the inside out. God, that today they will stay long enough in your presence to give you the answer you need to hear. I pray for the Christian who's been so far away so long and they know it's time to come back. God, hold them long enough in your presence that they can give you the answer of their heart. Lord, I pray, do your business with us. In Jesus' name.